What up, though? Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast, where we talk about everything combat sports, but mainly MMA. If you want to hear a couple regular MMA fans talk about MMA history, notable fighters, up-and-coming fighters, and everything in between, then this is the podcast for you. Now, I should warn you, we're not professionals, but we are big fans of combat sports. Now, if that sits good with you, grab a beverage, sit back, relax, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fat Boy MMA Podcast. I'm your host, DC. And of course, I got my co-host here with me, Locke. Hey, what's up, y'all? So for this one, uh, for this episode, we've had quite a bit of uh, events going on lately. Uh, One of the big things that happened was UFC 273 Volkanovski versus Shang Zhong, Korean Zombie. So that was a pretty big card. A pretty exciting card, Um, and there were three main fights on that card that kind of everybody wanted to watch. Of course, Korean Zombie versus Volk was a huge fight. Um, You know, Korean, I mean, I'm sorry, Volk kind of uh, going down the road of trying to clear out the division. Sterling Yawn, everybody wanted to see that because, of course, Sterling won the belt based on a, a DQ the first time. And Chemayev Burns, this was Chemayev's, like, biggest test to date and to see if he was real or if he was the truth. And so I want to dive into, you know, talking a little bit about those uh, fights and kind of, you know, what happened. Um, This would have been uh, actually by the time of this recording, this would have actually been two weeks ago, but still very relevant as all the people named are tremendously relevant for their divisions. So I want to start off um, with uh, talking about Burns Chemayev and what you thought about that fight. How did you score it? Who did you think won? So it, it was a really good fight. I don't disagree with the decision. Um, it's definitely one of those ones where I guess I wouldn't have had a huge debate with it going either way. But I think mm-hmm. it was scored right. And it was a good fight to watch. It was it was a lot of fun. I think a lot of people were really sleeping on Gilbert Burns. And and it's really something that happens when you get to that cream of the crop. I guess I kind of feel about Burns like you guys feel about Colby Covington. You know, we're like, yeah, he's losing some of these fights, but he's consistently fighting the best in the world. Mm-hmm. And... I was looking at this fight as a real true chest uh, test for Kamzat. And I think a lot of people were just looking at this as it's coming out party. And I thought it was a great fight. And honestly, I think that Gilbert knocked a little bit of that shine off Kamzat. I mean, it is good to see that he can handle a war also. And I respect that because he did dig down deep and win a war. But that shine of dominance, I feel, is knocked out a little bit because they're saying the next fight is Colby. Going into this fight, I think I might have took Kamzat over Colby. After this fight, I feel like that's a fight that Colby probably wins. Yeah, no, good points. Um, So I actually scored the fight for Burns. The issue is what you said. Um, It's not one of those, I don't think you can argue, I don't think no matter how they called it, you can't say the other person got robbed, right? It was just too good of a fight, too close of a fight. But um, uh, Burns did some tremendous damage. And then, of course, when all the, uh, you know, um, stats came out, he outstruck him, um, you know. So it was like when you look at everything, to me, Burns won, even before I knew he officially outstruck him. I thought he won, but I, I just thought it was a really good fight. To your point, um, I definitely think it affected. Um, I definitely think it affected Chemayev's polish, so to speak. But I don't think his stock went down, and that's what's weird, right? So his stock didn't go down. His stock is still up there because I mean, he fought you know a guy that pretty much has only lost to Usman, you know, within recent years, right? Um, so it didn't drop his stock any, but, um, I knew that Burns had a chance in this fight, but my outlook on it was if Tamayev is really the guy that they say he is, 
going in here fighting a much smaller fighter, he needs to be dominant. And he wasn't, right? So, you know, he he, he gave up, uh, Burns gave up a lot of size in this, um, not just with height, height, reach, thickness, everything. You know, when you saw them at weigh-ins, you saw them in the ring or, uh, you know, that video came out of them bumping into each other in the hallway. I guess they were both coming from or one was going to the steam room, one was coming back because they were both in towels or sauna or whatever, right? And Chamaya was a lot bigger. So when you're the boogeyman and you're talking about winning the title in this division and going up and winning the title and all of that, you can't lose to or have a close fight to a much smaller man, in my opinion. So that's kind of what hurt him. And yeah, I, I definitely think I, originally I thought that Kobe would have won this matchup anyway. Um, but I definitely think after watching that, Kobe would have the edge. I don't know if he would be the betting favorite, but I can tell you if they make that fight and it comes out that he's not the betting favorite and I'm not a gambler at all. I can't remember the last time I gambled on something. I'm putting my money on Kobe. If they come out, <laughs> right, and he's not the favorite, I'm taking those odds, and I'm putting my money on Kobe uh, to go ahead. I thought you're gonna say, one. I thought you're gonna say I'm putting on my MAGA hat and <laughs> that too. <laughs> but um, so another question to that, you just mentioned, you know, Kobe. Of course, we know Usman is out right now. I think he had hand surgery or something like that, but. What do you need? What do you think Chemayev needs to to really be able to be dominant at that next level, right? Because Burns to me is, you know, he's that he's that next level. And although Chemayev got the nod, he wasn't dominant. And I think it only gets worse as you go up to Kobe and then Usman. What do you think was missing in that fight for Kamzat to go to that next level? So, it's tough, because like I said, I I don't want to talk shit about a guy that just beat one of the best fighters in the world and come out of w winning his first war. And it is a little disturbing that, you know, where we should be celebrating, like, wow, this guy really was able to dig down. This was a tough fight. He gutted it out. Instead, it's like, ah, you didn't smoke him the first round. You suck. It um, depends on how you display yourself, right? No, if you I, I come do in, agree. If uh, you come out humble and everything like that, I can take your opinion. But when you come out and you say I'm I'm the boogeyman and you're a destroyer and you have beat everybody, including the heavyweights, you can't have that fight and not expect some type of criticism, right? No, I I agree a hundred percent, and and that's what I think is if he was just a guy that was moving his way along and you know taking fights on short notice. Yeah, you still root for him, but yes, he definitely was selling himself as the boogeyman, which you can't blame. I mean, we've seen that that's what sells fights nowadays, so he's trying to make some money. He's, you know, trying to play that Connor role, and and it was working. But, yeah, when you're talking about going up to middleweight, like, I think that definitely put a hold on a lot of that. Because to me... When you were talking about, like, what do I think you'd have to do or what's the difference that he have to make? Mm hmm I don't think he looked... I don't think he looked strong enough, honestly, um, both with his punching power and his grappling strength. He's good. And now Gilbert Burns is strong as shit. So I'm, I'm not trying to discredit that. But to me, he looked like the bigger man, but he didn't look like the stronger man. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think, I think his, let me say this. I think that he may be a bit better fighter than what was displayed. And the only reason why I say that, I think he bought into his own hype and, you know, he, he kind of went out there and, you know, went after Burns right away, like a wild man, like he did in previous fights. And as we know, and as we talk about all the time, this is the reason why I give so much more credit to when somebody can win a belt and defend multiple times, right? I give you so much more credit because 
the march up to the belt, you're, you know, you're fighting a certain caliber of person and you can look really good. But when you get that belt and you got to basically fight the number one guy every time and everybody's training for you, you have to be able to strategize and think your way through a lot of adversity, right? You can't just go out there crazy and think you're going to steamroll through everybody because that doesn't work. And so it's possible that this fight will help him be a better fighter and he comes out against a Kobe and he's more measured and then we can see more of his arsenal. And maybe at that point in time, if he's able to do something like that, he has the strength going into a third round or, you know, if they make it a five round or a fourth round or something like that without going out there and trying to steamroll and now getting hit with clean shots. And as we know, that'll zap a lot of that power, right? So I think another thing you might want to consider is he might want to ease back on the bro fest with him and Darren Till. Um, Too late. (laughs) Too late. I think, I think that knocks some of the polish (laughs) off of the boogeyman image before the fight even happened. Like, how can you be the biggest, scariest guy in the world and, and your best friends, like an admitted (laughs) silly goose, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, um, you know, any any type of relationship dynamic is weird, right? Because it is possible that their friendship, as we know, one of the reasons why Darren Till went there was because he wanted to get a lot of that wrestling and some of that other stuff in, and he wanted really wanted to trade, uh, train with uh, Hamzat. And that may be really good for Darren Till, but it's possible for it to raise Darren Till's stock or not stock, but skill, and lower Chumayev's skill just based on how many things they're working on together. Whereas when you're selfish and everything is about you, you're more likely to get bigger jumps in growth because everything kind of revolves around you. So I think you have that aspect of it. And when you really become friends, you have a vested interest in that other person succeeding. Right. You don't I don't think you look at it as it's hurting me any because in the gym, you still feel as good as you felt before. But just that new attention that you're paying, trying to make sure that your friend get to the next level may be hurting you, you know, especially if they're training together a lot and Darren Till isn't putting up the kind of fight that's needed in the gym to push Chemayev. Right. Especially when it comes to him being worried about the mix up and grappling and things of that sort. Well, and I don't think it's necessarily I think you hit it more on the head with the first point. I think Darren Till, he's still a UFC top middleweight caliber fighter. So I don't think his mere presence there is going to bring down his level, like, you know, level of competition. I think he's still going to be tougher than your average guy that that comes into a a gym to train. But I do think there is something to the catered to yourself camp that we've talked about before. That's one of the genius things that GSP did, and he did very well. And there is a difference between that and just a a bunch of guys where the focus is on just whoever the focus is on in this given moment. And fighting is a, a business where you're allowed to and probably should be selfish. This is not a team sport. Yeah, this is what I mean by that. And and I kind of, you know, mentioned it toward the end there. What I mean by that is Darren Till's one-dimensional. That's the reason why he went there, right? So that would be like you bring in Michael Bisbing into your camp. Yes, Michael Bisbing is a world-class fighter. And I'm not talking about current Michael Bisbing. You get what I'm saying. When he was fighting. You don't bring him into your camp if you want a real well-rounded guy that's going to mix it up and really push you in the gym. You don't bring in Michael Bisbee. He was he was he was pretty one-dimensional, right? So that's what I mean, especially when you talk about, um, at least from what I understand, the type of training that Tamayev's camp was doing. It was more like what you would hear about in you know a lot of the Russian-based camps, even though. 
he's out of France or wherever it's at. I forget. Sweden. I think he's out of. I forget where he's training out of right now. But um, but the camp yes, is Sweden. more. The camp is more like a Russian-based camp, right? With a lot of heavy wrestling and pushing each other and everything like that. You need guys, especially if that's what you're used to doing, and that's what you've built your style upon. You need guys that can push you in that arena. So now, all of a sudden, if you got a guy that's trying to learn that, and you all are training, you know, with one another a lot, he's not pushing you in that area, but you are pushing him in that area. And it's not a threat to you, so you may be doing things that you normally wouldn't even do in a fight because there's no threat of him really, you know, grappling with you, right? And then you go into the Burns fight, and your grappling really doesn't work out, and it becomes pretty much a stand-up war, right? So that's what I mean by that. And I'm not saying that is what happened. I'm saying that is a possibility, especially if they specifically train together a lot. Yeah. So, outside of that fight, we had another big fight, of course, the first title fight on the card, which was uh, Aljamain Sterling versus Peter Yan, the rematch uh, in which uh, Peter Yan was previously the champion, and he was doing really good in that fight, and then hit uh, Sterling with with a knee while he was down, fight couldn't continue, and Sterling ended up with the belt. And all of this time, as we know, um, Peter Yan's been going out there, still beating up on people, doing good, and everybody was waiting for this fight. And it happened, and Sterling maintains the belt. What are your thoughts? So, preface this, bias opinion for sure. I'm an all-Jermaine Sterling fan. Um, and, and I respect Peter Yan as a fighter, but I think if you look at that first fight, at the time of the foul, Jan was starting to handle him. But Aljamain Sterling had some moments. And, you know, it started to fall apart when he gassed out. And, you know, that's that's one of those tough things. We've seen all kinds of fighters when they run out of gas. There's just not a whole lot you can do to answer that. That There's just nothing to do, really. Different fighter. Right. Um, but I think people, for whatever reason, I don't want to get into it were awfully hard on all Jermaine Sterling and deciding, oh, he was acting or, oh, that's crap or, oh, he wasn't even hit that hard. And I just always think, who are you, who are we to decide how hard an illegal knee to the head is? <laughs> and And we've seen a lot of times where guys get a really bad poke in the eye. Guys get a real bad kick in the balls. They get a whatever kind of foul. And they go run back out there and we appreciate it and we give them the thumbs up and they're so cool and then they lose you know anthony smith against john jones yeah and then they're cut from the ufc (laughs) right you know like we we talked about coming back around to it this is a selfish business yeah you don't got to prove nothing you just took an illegal legal shot you don't realize this is big money he's worked his whole life to get to this moment and you know he shouldn't have to you know not be at whatever his best would be because he took an illegal shot. And that's something to the head that you can't just shake off. You know, we've talked about sometimes these head injuries can take a long, long time to recover. Right. Now I know there was definitely some issues with him, like taking pictures with the belt afterward. And he kind of has his explanations or whatever about it. And to me, that's neither here nor there, but I just think he caught a lot more shit in that situation than I felt like he really deserved because an illegal knee is an illegal knee and it is what it is. Yeah. If you remember my opinion on that was I thought that Jan was winning that fight, but the issue is I agreed with the DQ, but I did not think that, uh, Al Jermaine was going to come back and win this fight. I thought it was going to pick up pretty much where it left off at. And I thought Jan was going to get the belt back. Um, I thought it was a good fight. Um, I think the decision went the right way. I think Sterling should have gotten the knot. And as far as the belt thing, I mean, as we've talked about on here many times before, especially once Conor McGregor became Conor McGregor and the UFC showed how much they appreciate that, the UFC became the game of trolling, right? Uh, Of course, it started off with uh, 
with uh, uh, um, uh, shoot, Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen was probably the biggest troll in the UFC, right? And then from there, it, it kind of escalated. And so I think part of what Al Jermaine was doing with the belt and everything was just trolling. And also, I think he knew it would get under Peter Jan's skin. And that's part of the game. You know, part of the game is if I can get in your head, um, that's going to benefit me the next time we fight, especially when I know we're going to fight. But after and the fight... And I think fight, it did. Yeah, absolutely. And after the fight, um, uh, Sterling admitted that, you know, this fight was... Going into this was tough for him. And he did have doubts and a lot of things like that, right? But you can't say any of that leading up to the fight. You got to keep the act going and psych the other guy out. And that's what I think happened in this fight. Now, I did see a video today that I didn't like of him doing an interview and talking about how he took the last two rounds off because he knew he could and he knew he had the three rounds in hands and he figured, if I already won the fight. I don't have to do anything crazy. I just got to try to not get knocked out. And it's ironic that I'm an Eljamain Sterling fan, and when everybody else was hardest on him, I was kind of like, whatever, I think he made the right decision. And I did pick him in this fight, and he won. And now when a bunch of people jumped on board because he fought pretty good, I hear an interview and I'm like, yeah, don't like it. I'm I'm off the, I'm off the <laughs> fan train now. Like, I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just always stuck on some random fan boat all by myself with stupid ass opinions that nobody ever agrees with because I took Sterling. I thought he fought a good fight, but I really hate him saying, and maybe he's doing what you said and just trolling, but it did look like he kind of coasted through those last two rounds. And I don't have a problem with fighting to a decision or smarting a fight, a smart fight or uh, fighting a strategic fight. But I do have a problem with taking rounds off. The only problem I would have with it is that he admitted it, <laughs> right? Because at the end of the day, if you decide to take rounds off, that's on you. You know how terrible judging is, right? It could have easily went the other way and then what would have been the excuse. That's on you. The problem is with certain things that you do, it's just not good to admit it. It's never going to go over well, right? And there's a lot of things just in life like that. It's like everybody does it, but nobody talks about it or admits it because then it, you know, it comes across wrong, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> for sure. you know, so keep that, it to yourself. Where, exactly. Exactly. So I just wouldn't have talked about that, you know, and I would have said, you know, I fought hard. I'm glad I got the knot. I think I got more in the tank next time. So now when you hear him say, I think I got more in the tank for next time. That mean I took I took rounds off. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Sh I'm gonna shoot him that text real quick and tell him to say that next time. Okay, so now the big one, the main event that happened, we had Alexander Volkanovski versus Chang Sung Jung, the Korean Zombie, and this fight I was really excited for. Um. One, as most people know, I am not the biggest Volkanovski fan, and I really don't know why. Uh, but one thing that I put in our fight group after this was, from this point forward, I need to put some respect on Volkanovski's name because he really impressed me in this fight. And I give credit to people like DJ and some of these other smaller guys that you know are always fighting big guys, but... You look at Volkanovski's record and his history and everything like that. He fights a lot of big guys in that in that weight division. And, you know, Shane Zong is not a small guy by any stretch of the measure in that division. I mean, he, of course, he's not max, you know, he's not 5'11", 6 foot. But he's probably a good 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and he's not a frail 5'9", five, 5'10". And I think he's a really good fighter. And he's been a really good fighter for a long time. And Volk really took it to him and impressed me. Uh, what were your thoughts on the fight? So Volk looked really, really good. I mean, I assumed he would beat the Korean Zombie. 
I didn't even think the Korean zombie should be the, the guy for that fight. When Max pulled out, Yair Rodriguez should have been the guy to go in, I think. Especially considering Max got that fight after beating Yair in a fight that was fairly competitive. You know, Yair was in there scrapping. Yeah, but and, I think it was the... It doesn't matter, it's the UFC, but I think it was because Yair was coming off of the loss. But wasn't... uh. It was either, oh, I, I know, yeah, because he was coming up, the two, the next two contenders would have been him and Calvin Cater, and both of them were either coming off, one of them was coming off a loss, and the other one was like a loss and a win. Um, so I thought, I thought uh, Zombie was coming off the Ortega loss, but I guess he did squeeze a win in there also, so he yeah. did have the one win, but... You know, to your point, it is the UFC, so it shouldn't matter. And honestly, I felt that Yair uh, deserved that fight over Korean Zombie. And that sounds mean to say, you know, Korean Zombie is a great dude. And he's, uh, you know, he's a fighter's fighter. But I was going to take Volkanovski in that fight anyways, but I did not expect him to look that good. Um, He looked good. Not only did he look good, he looked really fast. Um, fast and explosive. And that's kind of scary, and I think it's one of those things where we've debated it over and over, not even not even debate, kind of just beat the dead horse about how we all basically think that Max won both of those fights. But at some point, the record is what the record is, mm-hmm. and he threw Ortega a pretty bad beating, and now he threw Korean Zombie a pretty bad beating. And, you know, at some point, now you're looking at three title defenses. You know, that's a, that's a very good run against some very, very good fighters. And you definitely got to start looking at him when we start talking about these top guys. I mean, as much as we disrespected him in the pound-for-pound rankings episodes, I think is not going to age very well now if he keeps doing it, you know, if this is how he continues to fight. Because, like you said, it's... um. He's definitely turning around. I, now, what I do think is that the reason this one is important, because even where he was winning fights against elite-level competition, he wasn't finishing fights. And I think a finish is what he needs to start separating himself in that conversation as the upper crust of the elites. Because mm-hmm. the always decisions, the split decisions... At some point, that gets boring. You see people, we complain about it with GSP and John Jones, and they're, undeni- you know, undeniable all-time grades. So, we now have a Volkanovski who is finishing fights, and that's a pretty scary thing. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, the problem with that division was, I don't think, unless you go down to maybe um, Arnold Allen, um Bryce Mitchell, those guys, I don't think that there was a clear person in that upper echelon that deserved a title shot. Everybody was either coming off of a loss or was like a loss win or something like that. Like nobody had put together in that top, you know, probably 10 that really had put together a string of wins, right? Um, well, I'm even... looking at I'm looking at the top of that division, and it honestly it reminds me a lot of what the UFC heavyweight division looked like for a long, long time, where you just have the same handful of guys that have just taken turns beating the shit out of each other for a long time. Yeah, and um, we're gonna have an episode coming up, kind of talking about Volkanovski, but then also. What is happening in this division is exactly what we need to happen in the welterweight division, and it's not happening, right? These guys are really fighting each other. So, you know, if you look at those losses, so, like, we look at uh, number one outside of the champ is Max. Number two is Brian Ortega. Max beat him. Number three is Rodriguez. Max beat him. Number four is Cater. Max beat him. Number five is Shane Zong, who Volkanovski just beat. Uh, Arnold Allen hasn't, you know, fought Max or. But when you go down that list, that that's what you see, right? A lot of those guys are 
fighting each other or fighting one of the top two guys in the division. And so it's hard to have or figure out who's that clear, clear cut next in line because so many of the guys are beating up on each other. But right now, it kind of hurts the division because Volk hasn't had a chance to try and lap the division. Whereas when you go into a division like welterweight, where Usman is lapping the division or has, right, for those top guys, you need something else to shake out of that cream of the crop. And that's where I think a person like Chemayev is really good to throw in there to mix it up. We need somebody in there to mix it up for uh, featherweight. And um, Arnold Allen actually really impressed me um, for that uh, um, another city kickboxing guy he just fought. Um, Shoot, what is his name? Uh, give me one second, I'll tell you. It was... It was... Uh, Dan Hooker. You know, Dan Hooker dropped down in weight, and uh, Arnold Allen looked really good against him. Uh, TKO'd him in round one. And, you know, most of the guys over at City Kickboxing, one of the things that they're really good at is stand-up. And uh, for him to, you know, take him out in one round, I think was pretty impressive, right? So he's a guy that I'm looking at that would be, you know, able to move up. But that actually rolls into my next question. What do you think is next for Volkanovski? What's next? Who should he fight? Looking at how we said how that division is shaping up. Um, what do you see? Well, it's hard to say that you need to have a third fight when one person has won the two fights, but being that they were so close and so competitive, I feel like the max fight would be the one that you have to do next because the only guy I really see out of there that would be for an, an interesting fight is Yair Rodriguez, who I mentioned, but we would need him to pick up a win against somebody, which I think he could, he's a good fighter. So that would be the, the only other interesting fight, but yeah, looking through those rankings, I would need somebody to either step up, you know, like you said, Arnold Allen, maybe a Bryce Mitchell at some point. Um, but Max, even though he came out of the bad side of both of those, I think he probably deserves another title shot due to his performance against the rest of the division. And it's definitely one of those kind of Colby Covington type things. I guess the difference is... Max has legitimately beat all the top of the division guys versus Colby having not beat a top guy, but they are still, you know, the top guys despite not being able to beat the champ. Um, so it's got to be either Max or if Yair can pick up a win, I would like to see Yair go up there. And outside of that, maybe Volk just needs to take some time off and let the division shake itself out for a little bit. You know, he could move up to 155. You look up at a, look at a fight up there, I think, could be an opportunity if the, if the right money's in it. The problem is, I don't know what's... Volk versus Charles Oliveira isn't a very exciting fight for me. So I would need something to kind of change in that lightweight division. Because he's not going to go up to the lightweight division and just fight like their third-ranked guy. It's going to be either championship or bust. Yeah, um... <clears throat> So, as I said before, I'm not I'm not a fan of seeing the third Max fight. Um, the reason is, I just don't see enough that has changed in either fighter to see a different fight. I think we see the same fight, and we argue about who's won, and nothing changes. And that's not the fight that I want to see, right? Um, <clears throat> I think you give one of these young guns a chance. Um, who knows what may happen? You know, give Arnold Allen or Bryce Mitchell a chance. Um, kind of see what goes on from there. See if they can shake up the division. Um, it's Once again, it's the UFC, so it's not like you can't make an argument for it, right? <laughs> um, but I think you made some really good points. Uh, Max definitely, as as you know, we just talk, talked about his last two fights, he took out the number two and number three guy, right? So he's definitely fighting like he's still the champ, 
right? Based on the caliber of fighters he's fighting, fight number two and fight number three. So um, it's hard not to say he should get it. It's just a fight I don't want to see because I don't think Max, Max is going to be Max when he goes out there. But that style, for whatever reason, versus Volkanovski, the judges don't like it. So unless he's going to bring something new out there, you know, I would have loved for him to shit go and train with Chemayev and then come out wrestling or something, right? Show me, do something different, right? Or go train with, um, you know, go find some really good BJJ guys and mix it up that way and, you know, come out and do some stuff. That that would excite me to see that fight. But another stand-up fight similar to the one that, one that they had or the two that they had, I just don't see it. But the wild horse that I would throw in there, the greatest coming back. And he says he wants Volk's belt. The man himself, Triple C's, the king of cringe, Henry Cejudo, said he's officially gotten back in USADA's testing pool. And he's eyeing Volkanovski and Featherweight to become the first man to do the triple crown and win three belts in three different weight divisions. So I know first you wanted to reply to the Max stuff or whatever else, but I want to know your opinion on that one. No, it's hard to argue with you on the Max stuff. We're just going to go in circles agreeing with each other. Yeah, he, he has beaten the top guys. He definitely would have to bring something new to the table because what he is doing to win fights that we think is winning fights, clearly the judges are disagreeing with. So he would have to bring something new to the table. I would be down to watch Volk beat Henry Suhudo's ass. I think that could be interesting. Um, I don't think that that goes well for Suhudo. Um, I don't think that he's... You know, he's a smallish guy anyways, and I know if you look at heights, it looks like they're close in size, but Volkanovski's not a little guy. He's not a small guy. He's a short guy, but he's yeah. very, very big. But even then, I think Cejudo's only like 5'4", five, 5'3", four, five, five, four, so if I'm not mistaken, I'll look it up, but, and I think yeah, Volk is closer four. to, yeah, Volk is like 5'6", five, 5'7", five, so there is yeah. a little bit of height difference, but like you said, it's not that that big of a difference but to your point Volk is like a thick you know five six five seven and even though Suhudo is a great wrestler he uses a fairly bullying wrestling style and I think that Volkanowski might be a little bit too strong for that and I don't think, I think Henry Cejudo, if he would have stayed in that division playing in the 135 pool, I think he probably would have lost that belt at some point and just been the 125 champion. I I appreciate the wins that he got. They were impressive wins, but I don't think he could have sustained that at that level. So if if Cejudo, Volkanovski, I always like a big fight. Um, Cejudo has done more than enough to earn that if he were to decide to come back. I don't think it's a good matchup for him. And I think Volkanovski throws him a beating. Possibly, but I want to see it. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see it. I mean, you know, I love when, um, as I mentioned before, I love when guys go out there and really push it to go to the next level or do something that nobody else has done. Um, If he's able to pull it off, it would be great. I do agree with... Well, and you are a guy that's, you've won an Olympic gold medal. You go to 125, you win the championship. You decide Mm -hmm. to go up and win two belts, and you won two belts. So just because Lock the Fat Podcaster said that you only got it in you, like (laughs) there is nothing in Henry Cejudo's history or DNA to suggest that he will not excel at trying some new challenge like he has always done and like i had told you before i had thought that he could look into some of those sideshow boxing type things only because he's such a good uh like a physical mimic he's such a good athlete that i think if he were to win any kind of boxing or kickboxing something like that he would have to be vaulted into the top conversation as one of the top combat athletes 
when you look at his success across different platforms. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, definitely. It's not too many people that can transition well between different sports and different weight classes and everything like that. Um, and I actually give him a better chance going up to featherweight and winning a title than I give Volk a chance at 55. And the reason why I say that is the 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 frame of fighter right now that's fighting at 45 is the same frame of fighter at 55. But the one at mm-hmm. 55 still has speed, but has a lot more power. And a lot of them are better wrestlers, right? And I just think it's a world of trouble for Volkanovski, right? I don't see him, you know, um, most of those, even if you look at um, what happened when, you know, Max went up and fought, um, um, shoot, um, Dustin Portier, right? Um, and we've never seen Max dominated in that fashion, right? And Portier isn't the boogeyman of 55, right? But it was a clear difference in power when Max got up there to 55. And we saw how close the fights with Max and Volkanovski was. So even if you take Dustin Portier... We don't take Charles Oliveira. We don't take, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, forgetting his name. Yeah, we don't take Justin Gaethje or any, you know, any of those guys. We take Dustin Portier, who's still not the biggest guy at 55, but there's a distinct difference in the power with the same frame guy. And, you know, I just don't see Volk transitioning over well to 155, but... I think with only three title defenses, um, I think there's still a lot of fights for him left at featherweight. Uh, if it's not the Cejudo, as you mentioned, he you know he can he has the um, he has the max fight there. Um, I talked about uh, Arnold Allen and Bryce Mitchell both undefeated in the UFC right now. Those guys, you mentioned uh, Yair Rodriguez. Him and Calvin Cater, I think, are both really good fighters. They just happen to run into, you know, who most people regard as the best, you know, featherweight of all time and Max Holloway, you know, back to back. And that's where their, you know, recent loss came from. So I still think, you know, you give those guys two more wins and they could be right back in a title picture, right? So I think there's a lot of fight left for him before he would have to think about going up to a 155 or something like that. But that Cejudo fight intrigues me more than any other fight, just because of the chess match and the possibility of somebody becoming a three-division champion, right? You know I was a big boxing fan before I ever got into MMA, and that was one of the exciting things about boxing, you know? Seeing a Roy Jones go from middleweight to super middleweight to light heavyweight, to heavyweight, right? Jumped right over cruiserweight, went to heavyweight, and win titles all the way along. That is a huge feat, right? So to see something like that happen in MMA would be huge, in my opinion. No, I think I, I like the idea. You know, now that we talk it out, I still think that Volkanovski beats Cejudo fairly bad. I think he wins that fight fairly easy. But if you remember the reason I said go to lightweight, I didn't say it's because you cleared the division out. I said it's because the division needs some time to shake itself out, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think my idea was trying to look somewhere else for a fight. But I think letting Cejudo jump the line, that still buys you another, you know, almost a year. Because he just fought. You give him some time off, then you get him into camp. So that give you a long time before you need to worry about another contender. In the meantime, you could put you together, you know, a nice fight night card that maybe has uh, Allen and Bryce Mitchell on it, and we could start showcasing these guys a little bit to get an intriguing matchup at the at that division. Yeah, Bryce Mitchell is an interesting uh, character to say the least. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll do really good for any fights that you have in the South. He'll probably sell out the uh, sell out the arena. But um, 
Um, moving away from UFC 273. Well, well before we yeah. do that, there's one thing I wanted to cover because I know we covered your big three fights, which I think yes. is disrespectful to my girl, Mackenzie Dern. And, yes. And uh, I, I figure we could at least touch on it a little bit because I think she had a pretty good performance. I believe she was the underdog in that fight. Mm-hmm. And I am a big Mackenzie Dern fan. But she did what she needed to to squeak that out. And that's a that's a tough matchup for her, style-wise. And I think if it wasn't for that stumble against Marina, mm-hmm. we would have to have her in the title hunt now. But I, I think UFC 273 is one of those fight cards where if you just look at the... If you just pull up the results and you're just looking at decision, 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 a lot of times that could mean a very boring card. This was one of the first fight cards in a long time that was decision heavy. That was still a very exciting night, I think. I agree. I agree. And yeah, that fight was, um, you know, she looked good, but, you know, I, I am biased if the public doesn't know this by now. I am biased. I, I, you don't like that you you say she pretends she's Brazilian, right? That's not what I was going to say, but no, I, what's funny is if you listen to her talk after this one, it's like she's slowly acting like a Brazilian is getting rid of their Brazilian accent. I don't know if you noticed in this one, like, she was speaking like more regular English, like, it was, it, it's hilarious to me, but no. Um, she says she dreams in Portuguese, so I'm just saying. <laughs> Leave her hey, alone. One of, a friend of mine that was um a arab gentleman he said that that was their rule your tongue is based upon how you dream so if you dream in arabic that's what it is so hey if she dreams in portuguese i am not going to argue it anymore <laughs> hey we don't check multiple sources on this we're going to go ahead and we're hey. just going to we're going to cite your uh your arabic friend and exactly. just say it's officially uh she that's speaks it. portuguese that's it but uh, no, I'm actually a Mackenzie Dern fan. Um, the biasness comes in that um, I would have expected her to do a lot better against the Tiny Tornado um, because of styles. And, you know, she had a nice size advantage. And when you combine those two things, I would have expected her to do better. I was looking for a little bit more, but... I do think it was a really good fight. And to your point on this card, it was a lot of decisions, but it was a really good card. So if somebody was just looking at the list, like, Oh, I'm glad I missed that one. No, you missed a great card with some very, you know, very tough hard fights. Um, you know, that, that, that Shemayev Burns will likely be talked about at the end of the year for one of the candidates of, you know, uh, fight of the year. Right, it was that good. And of a we got fight. we got robbed of a five rounder in that fight. Yeah, we should have seen two more rounds. Yeah, I think so. But I don't think that um, I don't think that the UFC and maybe this is another thing that needs to change as far as the rules. I don't think that they have it unless you're a main event. If it's not a title, that it can be a five rounder, and we need to just have some fights as five rounds. Yeah, it has to be title, main, or co-main. So mm-hmm. they've been trying to stretch it. But yeah, that was the third fight down. Um, but I, as they were reading the decision, everybody in the UFC knew we should have made sure this was a five-rounder. That should have been, uh, um, I don't know if they still do it because I don't watch it anymore. But it should have been tough rules. You know how you go back to the corner and they come out and be like, you got to wait, we might have another round. Right. It should have been one of those. And all the judges agree, no matter how they scored it, that it was going to be a draw just so we could have one more round. That's that's what it should have been. (laughs) But um, so outside of that, the other big news that came out, kind of big news, so to speak, was that um, Dana White was asked a question about John Jones coming back. And he said, the way that it's looking right now, and I'm not, this is not an exact quote, (laughs) but um, the way that it's looking right now, he's targeting John Jones Stipe for the summer. And that means within the next couple months. 
and that's huge. It'll be John Jones coming back, fighting for the, I believe this would be an interim title uh, because uh, uh, uh is having surgery. Not to mention, of course, we know he's in some contract disputes, but officially he's having surgery so they can have I do, an interim title. I do love the new strategy of these fighters, the second, like Aljamain Sterling, uh-huh. the second he got that, you could say what you want about how he got his title. The second he got that championship contract, surgery. like I need a surgery. next surgery. Yeah. <laughs> Got to stretch this thing out. <laughs> so but, uh, I am with you in Ganu. Get that surgery, get every surgery you fucking need. But, um, so what are your thoughts on that fight? And do you think it will actually happen this summer? So it needs to happen this summer. Uh, this fight, I like it. That's the fight that I originally wanted. And I think for John Jones moving up to heavyweight, the reason he has to do that and he doesn't have to do shit, but he, he has shown himself to be more punchable in his more recent fights and going up a division, these guys are bigger, these guys are stronger, and they hit very, very hard. And he was talking about jumping straight into the deep water with uh, Nganu and some of these guys. And look, he's got the skill set. He could beat them. I'm not saying there's no path to victory. I just think when you're a guy with John, like John Jones with such a legacy on the line, you want to make sure you take this pursuit to the heavyweight division and do it the right way. And I think for a couple of reasons, for one, get you a fight that's, you have to fight a top guy, you're John Jones, you know, you're not just going to jump in there with, um, let me see, who's a, a light guy, you're not going to fight Ozdemir, or uh, mm-hmm. no, not Ozdemir, uh, I can't find the heavyweight here, yeah, you're not going to fight like Rosenstruck, you know, mm-hmm. you need one of those top guys. Um, Derek Lewis was another one that I liked as a possibility. So I just wanted to get in there with somebody that's still a top ranked guy, but not straight to a championship caliber. And the reason I think Stipe is a perfect one for John Jones is that he is a smallish heavyweight and that's an easy transition. So you're not just going straight from 205 to guys that are cutting to make heavyweight you know i actually seen a quote from daniel cormier today that said there's a chance that john jones could go into that fight with the size advantage yeah i would agree uh, this is the thing um light heavyweight to heavyweight <clears throat> to me is very similar as to what i was saying going from 145 to 155 the 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 Guys are not that different in size, right? But one division hits a lot harder. So even if you look at, so John Jones is about, you know, 6'4". And other than his legs, he's not a real skinny guy. He looks slim on the scale. But when you see him in there against other guys and you look at their, you know, the width of their chest, shoulders and whatnot, he's not a small guy. It's just he's so so tall and he has those skinny legs it makes him look smaller than what he is but when you look at the guys that he fought you know you look at Reyes you look at Santos you look at Anthony Smith none of those are small guys right when you compare them to some of your heavyweights you look at DC that end up going up and winning the heavyweight title right the difference is the power everybody at heavyweight has like one knockout you know one punch knockout power and if if you go to the heavyweight division and some people may disagree with this but i think you go for the gusto right away because of that power you know why would i fight number 10 when number 10 if he touches me have the same chance of knocking me out as number one now don't get me wrong and gano's power is special He's a special case, but everybody else. That's not heavyweight power. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's that's like, that's Marvel Universe power. <laughs> exactly. But everybody else, you know, that Derek Lewis fight, that's a dangerous fight. Derek Lewis puts lights out. Rosenstrike puts lights out. So going up there, fighting Stipe, I think is the smartest move. One, to your point, 
especially as we've seen in the last Stipe fight, Stipe actually downsized some, right? So he already wasn't a big guy, but then he downsized some. Also, a guy that you beat twice beat him before. So you can compare some of what, you know, what happened in that fight. Um, and he's the former champion and the person that a lot of people regard as the best all-time at heavyweight in the UFC. So you you check a lot of boxes by fighting him, and it would be for the interim title. So now you check that box. And that gives you more time for whatever shakes out with Ngannou to now go ahead and fight for the you know unification of the title. Or if they don't work things out with Ngannou, now you're the person that fights whoever they decide is that next person to come up, but you're guaranteed to be fighting for the real title because you have the interim title. So now you become one of those few people, you know, what is it, four or five right now that has, you know, titles in multiple weight divisions, you know, two weight divisions. So that automatically raises your stock. And now if you're able to defend you become even more elite because, as we know, most people that get that second title never defends both titles. So that's a big thing, in my opinion. And to play devil's advocate, this is also a great opportunity for Stipe. If he can pull it off, this gives him a legitimate path back to that championship because he does deserve it. He's the winningest heavyweight champion of all time. He did beat Nganu once. They are one and one in the series. But when you get knocked out that badly, people don't always want to just see, oh, that immediate. You, you know, we forgot about that mm-hmm. old stuff already. We've seen the knockout. Mm-hmm. We don't want to see that. I think this gives Stipe a real path back to a title fight, his championship, an opportunity to be the greatest heavyweight of all time. I don't know that it plays out that way, but I do really like all these possibilities that are at play at the heavyweight division, which to me for a long time, I know a lot of casuals love the division, but to me, I feel like I was watching Junior Dos Santos, Overeem, and Kane fight for this, uh, you know, just swap this belt around for like ever. Or mm-hmm. I know Overeem never won it, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, and I definitely think that it's a good matchup for um, for Stipe also. Um, like you said, even if John Jones came in and he was the bigger man, it's not, I don't think that he has the size the same way or will have the size the same way as some of the other heavyweights that Stipe, Stipe has fought. And, I mean, how big of an accomplishment would it be to be the first man to officially beat John Jones by beating him, right? We know he has one loss by a DQ, mm-hmm. and then he has some, you know, controversial wins, right? But it still goes in the win column. So to be the first guy to officially beat John Jones is huge. And you likely don't have to worry about, we haven't seen John Jones yet with one punch knockout power. Now, that doesn't mean adding on the additional size and some of the weight training he's been doing. He hasn't developed that. But as of right now, that's not your big threat like you would have with Ngannou or somebody like that. You're more likely to have a fight where it would go rounds like when you fought uh, DC. So I definitely think it's a you know good decision for him also. And then to go back to that, interim title if he's able to get it to your point now you can't deny me the next fight with Ngano or if things don't work out I become heavyweight champ again and I think he would be the first person to become a three-time heavyweight champion in the sense of having a belt losing a belt having a belt losing a belt having a belt right Mm -hmm. which in my opinion is a big accomplishment even if you're not continuously defending it takes a lot to stay in that game and go back and win that belt that many times. So I a definitely lot of people don't that. keep that hunger to do that. Yes, yes, I agree. You know, or or you know, they have certain losses and mentally they just can't stay in the game. It takes it out of them. 
You know, it, it's a big mental game. I think a lot of people think it's, it's physical because it is such a physical sport. But I think the mental aspect of this game is so much bigger than the physical. And whether you can stand there mentally, we've seen so many guys that had all the talent in the world, but mentally couldn't keep it together. And, you know, they're gone. Or we've seen people in certain camps and then they go to another camp and that camp somehow work on their mental, slow them down in certain aspects and things of that sort. And then we see a whole nother fighter, right? So you have that. Well, one other thing I want to say on the John Jones Steep A fight, too. For Stipe, I would like to see him come in heavy. So I know that he's been coming in real lean for these fights, but I think that's a style choice. You're not going to be bigger and stronger than Nganu. So instead of, you know, trying to do damage control, you just steer into it and show up extra lean, extra facts, extra, you know, healthy. But he has fought, you know, in the high 230s, 240 area. And I think if he could get there, I think that's around where John Jones would show up around 235, 240. But I think because of the long-term experience, I think that Stipe would be able to carry that weight much better and a lot more fluid than John Jones would. This would be his first fight going in with, you know, these new powerlifting muscles and this new extra size that he's not used to carrying around. And I think Stipe showing up big, would be able to move that size around a lot better than John Jones, as opposed to you're not going to be faster than him either way. So, so why, why show up lean? So find where your edge is. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I think that, um, you know, I definitely think that is, uh, could be a good strategy. The biggest thing is I want to see it. I need it to happen. I need John Jones to stay out of trouble I don't want to hear anything about any police or anything else. I need him out of trouble until this fight happens. And, you know, we need this fight. The The game needs John Jones back being John Jones. And, you know, I think he needs this. Um, I think he needs this for his sanity to calm down a bit. I think he's one of those people that, um, you know, it, he he maybe not have what cowboy has where you know as we know cowboy does really extreme stuff extreme sports extreme diving all these things uh to try and calm whatever that thing that some people have in them right that that mm-hmm. keeps him balanced and i think john jones has that same thing in him but haven't found constructive ways to calm it so i think he needs to fight when he can because when he's fighting it's calm for a period of time right so um but yeah all the videos and everything that i saw around the talks says he's doing really really good in the gym against you know heavyweights and everything like that so hopefully we see it this summer and hopefully it's a really good fight it's one of those um i want john jones to win for the vindication but I like both guys in this fight and I really just want to see a real good fight. I agree. I've haven't been excited for a John Jones fight in a long time only because I typically just always assume he's going to win and he doesn't always win in the most exciting ways. He's had some fairly boring fights, you know, Um, this is a John Jones fight. I'd be excited to see. And, you know, he's one of those guys we've talked about a long time. You know, you separate the the person from the talent or whatever. And regardless of, you know, his personal life or the whatever, John Jones is one of the most amazing, you know, mixed martial. He is the epitome of the mixed martial arts and seeing him up against the greatest heavyweight of all time. Like you said, that it needs the game needs this fight. Yeah, I, I want to say this. I have never seen a boring John Jones fight, (laughs) but I don't think that I see fights the way that other people do. When I see chess matches, it's still exciting to me. And I think most people want to see nonstop action. I don't have to see nonstop action if it's a very good chess match. Now, how many times have you ever been poked in the eye in a chess match? (laughs) <laughs> I don't. Well, I don't know. I was just, what, just well. Well, every time that I played chess with Chuck Liddell, 
We've gone over this over and over. He doesn't poke, he gouges. It's different. John Jones pokes eyes. Chuck Liddell thumb gouges. Hey, blame the UFC gloves. It only happened in the UFC. And they won't change the gloves. But that wraps up. What Actually, did you have anything else before we wrap it up? No, I'm good. I'm good. Cool. Well, that wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. Thank you for listening. Come again. That wraps up another Fat Boy MMA podcast. If you have a topic for us, please email us at fatboymma55 at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media by going to links.fatboymma.com. That's links.fatboymma.com. Thank you for listening.